Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to People Add Value Experience. I am very excited, more than usual today. I have my guest, Bran Kamasi. Yeah, great, great pronouncement. Kamasi, okay, <laughs> on today. Um, extremely interesting background, and so we're gonna hit a lot on that first. To include, and we talked a little bit about this, hopefully I do it correctly in the chronological order here, which would be um, the family, his family owns a masonry supply mm -hmm. company. Yep. Um, he uh, used to do some side skating, <laughs> not quite Tony Hawk, but maybe someday at that level. And then he was a youth pastor. Yeah. For youth a period, minister. Youth yeah. minister for a period of time. Mm -hmm took a break during that time period to walk from the west yep. coast all the way to the east coast. Pacific to the Atlantic. Very Forrest Gump of you, yes. right? Or did he go the other way? I didn't run. Yeah. <laughs> way, way, way. When you don't have the cheering section. I am, yeah. I <laughs> did don't... grow a very hideous beard, though. <laughs> I can only that. imagine. Patchy Adams. Um, so, and then... Now, most currently, you are, and this you'll have to correct my roles here, you are a general manager and part owner of Third Planet Brewery in Niceville, Florida. Yes. Perfect. I got it? Yeah, you got it. Okay, solid. Yeah. Um, the one thing I forgot, though, because in that time frame, not only the walk-in, the youth pastor, but also you built and were on the Tiny Home TV show. Yes. Yeah, Tiny House Nation. Yes. I... Yeah. I think that's so cool by the way so cool um so yes i'm just i'm looking up here making sure that we're we're good you're good all right so fran what i'd like to do um at the beginning here is just provide the path i want to talk about your backgrounds um all of those things dig into those topics that we just talked about um and then you know and then eventually towards the second half of the conversation we'll jump into the the business side of yeah. the house and i'll ask Ooh. you some questions um, but also just one, one quick thing is like how we met. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, I'll, I'll let you, I'm curious about your perspective and your, your story about how we met, what you remember. So I think it, it goes back to what we call the launch pad days. Um, the, the first location of third planet brewing over on, on Parton Ave, uh, opening up and, and being that little small town brewery. I think you're, uh, you can, you were probably one of the first few people to come in there. If I remember correctly. I don't, not exactly. The oh, no, now, sorry. It's coming back to me. <laughs> Is it an irate customer? No, no. Oh, no, gosh. No, no. I, so what happened, my, my daughter was playing soccer down the road, practicing, and my wife and I are driving back and forth, and we kept seeing it. We're like, oh, man, is that like a, is that a beer place behind, you know, okay. the restaurant? And, uh, and eventually we just decided to stop in one day. And that was like the very first time I remember at least going, I don't remember if I'm assuming you were there probably at one yeah. of the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. So I knew it was the launch pad, but I'm, I'm trying to remember too. I just, there was an occasion where we had a, a irate customer yelling at a five-year-old and I thought you, you were one that helped intercede and, and deescalate that, that, that conversation. That may or may not it have sounds occurred. like you. <laughs> <laughs> that may or may not have happened, but yeah. So <laughs> that's yeah and then so not only that so after a little bit you know and as i was going through my retirement i was like oh man you know it'd be nice to you know try something else i had yeah. some time and uh, i asked hey do you mind i asked the wife hey do you mind if i start yeah. working there oh yeah knowing that you will get into you know i think one of the things we're going to talk about is, is hiring uh, and i always 
I feel like one of my strengths is is connectedness with people and understanding their um, their personality. Would they fit into the culture of of craft beer? And you just were you were right there. Um, <laughs> you were there physically. You were there, yeah, personality wise. And and we had you jump behind the bar, you know, regular to worker, um, and people loved you. Yeah, and, and we loved having you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So. So, yeah, let's start off with um, the, the beginning here. So if you can, just give us a little rundown as much as you feel comfortable about your family and family yeah. business and how sort of how like you grew up um, in that. Yeah. Or immersed in that. Um, so my great grandfather came over in 1910 from Italy, from, from Sicily. And uh, he and my, my grandfather opened up a grocery store and, you know, late 40s, uh, early 50s, they kind of had a decision point. Uh, my great grandfather asked my grandfather, "Do you want to continue with this grocery store, or you want to manufacture concrete block?" And my grandfather was like, "I want to manufacture concrete block." Um, so everything they they started with from the ground up. They they had one forklift. Uh, they had they actually up in, in Worcester, Mass. They have the the first machine they had to manufacture concrete block. Wow. Um, and they did that. Uh, it's still going on today. They stopped the manufacturing process. Um, just business sense my father saw it's like all right we're spending 30 percent of our money on 10 percent of our income you know our profit let's let's there's other people that can do this part let's focus on the landscaping aspect of it but i remember waking up my father would wake me up when i was you know 12 13 years old at five in the morning because he would go to work early he would stay late and uh falling asleep in the back seat on the 20 minute drive to to worcester and go to work and i would you know, lick envelopes for invoices that they were sending out. I would, you know, stamp things. And then when I got to, you know, about 14, he let me on a forklift. Uh, that's, I learned how to drive a forklift before I learned how to drive a car. Wow. And I remember crashing one. Uh, <laughs> you have <laughs> to, it's yeah. inevitable. I have two older brothers. <laughs> I think we all did it. Um, and then by the time I was 15, 16, every summer, that's where I'd work. The day after school, um, even the day after my graduation from high school, I was at work. For my for my father Man. so it was my father uh my uncle chuck ran the plant the manufacturing plant my uncle david was the the head truck driver they had about five or six boom trucks um and then my uncle craig ran the yard wow uh so that location is, is still open um my three uncles have retired since my father semi-retired and my two brothers run it right now um but yeah i learned so that, does Chris still run it too and do the yeah so, so Jay, he does that and the farming stuff oh too? yeah oh yeah, wow. yeah he wakes up and tends his animals goes to work he's a more of a traveling salesman checks on their bigger clients bigger uh, projects making sure they're getting what they need uh, where Jay uh, who's Henry Joseph Kamasi the third but we call him Jay <laughs> thank he, goodness <laughs> he runs yeah he runs the the day-to-day operations there's two stores uh, one in Charlton and one in, in Worcester and he he oversees all of those um, but yeah, it was a, a wonderful way to grow up. I think um, it taught me work ethic to see my father, see my brother, see my uncles. I also thought it was funny when I'd be on a forklift at 15, 16 years old and I have a, a one-ton pallet and these guys see me put it in their truck and they're like, are you sure you can do that? I'm like, yeah, you sure your truck can hold this? Because oh. I don't think you can. <laughs> um, so to, to grow up in that environment, I, I consider myself very blessed. Uh, you know, I had the side jobs, worked at a golf course, things like that, and um, had those other jobs just out of passion for golf. But growing up in a family family environment, it was an easy transition to to do something on a small scale, like a mom and pop, to 
brewery because that definitely laid the roots right for that right so. yeah it's interesting because <laughs> like i'm sure you remember like so i grew up in a bowling center right and it's the same boat like you you don't really know you're sort of growing up around it and then eventually you know you're you know whatever labor laws are out there. Yeah. <laughs> Your parents are like, hey, go spray the shoes and go clean the bathrooms. Yeah. And you just, here's some some money to go play in an arcade or yeah. whatever. And you start building that. But it's interesting because of, I think a lot of people I, I have spoken with and want to speak with too, and more officially on this, as like being immersed in that early and looking at that and understanding that business sense. And you don't know until later on, like, holy crud, I, I, like, I learned a lot about business. Yeah, just 100%. growing up in that where... Yeah. Other people are more just consumers, right? So they go and they consume, and they're not yeah, at that stage. I mean, to being tied to it, there's a sense of passion and purpose to it um, that I don't think you can get by just working somewhere. It right. uh, doesn't mean you can't uh, achieve that or gain that because you appreciate whatever it is you're selling, serving. Um, but it, it, you kind of have a step up when you are in that family business that your name is on the sign. Right. Um, someone told me the other day, it's like, you could have a great meal and you'll tell one or two people, but if you have a bad meal, you'll tell 50 people. Yep. So to make sure that your name is is what you're uh, proud about was was sure. really important. Sure, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it's funny because, <laughs> like, so like you said, you you learn some skills or, or trades that you might not necessarily learn um, working at just a service industry purely. Yeah. And like you stated earlier, you had the ability and were forced, if you will, due to the business, to start speaking with all these different people, yeah. the people that have the trucks that come in other suppliers or, yeah. or whatever, the logistics, yeah. the, all those coordination, you know, maybe answering the phone, like yeah. hey, oh, yeah. or whatever, like all that stuff, which yep. is, I think that's pretty neat, man. You know, there's, and like you said, when you have the the name, right? So that's my name. I'm saying, Hey, yeah. you know, yeah. I could sing you the jingle. I'm not going to, but <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was great. I maybe love being put on hold when I'd get in touch with my dad. An after dark, uh, yeah. pave after dark, well, <laughs> different kind of uh, conversation at that point. Um, so, so transitioning there, so how long did you work in the family business before you transitioned to the next stage? So uh, that's a great question, and I would love to go back and, and figure out the details. Uh, but I worked there every, almost every summer until I graduated college. Um, and then maybe even a couple years after that, just in the summer. Um, and then I got involved. Let's look at the timeline. Uh, I found myself being at our local church with my mentor, uh, Liz Katrupi, um, and, and wanting to help out with, with youth ministry because it made such an impact on my, my faith and my life growing up, um, having somebody to look up to. And it wasn't that I didn't want to be in the block industry or that industry right at that moment. Um, I just had done that for so long, I wanted to try something else. Uh, so I think from 22... 23, uh, that's when I started to get involved uh, at the church. And then at 24, I applied for this job called Trek America, which is a, a travel job where you go out and you take um, you know, people from Germany, the UK, Japan, China, all over the world on, on road trips. And I, I can't remember the reason, but it fell through when I was 24. Um, and I ended up... Um, working at the, the church for a little bit and helping out at the church. And, uh, man, it's, it's funny to go back. No one's pressed me on these things for a long time, so I apologize <laughs> if I'm stumbling over it. Um, so I remember helping out at the church, uh, helping out my dad a little bit. Didn't get that Truck America job. 
And then uh, I had the opportunity to go to Haiti um, with a friend of mine to scout out a, uh, a foster home that had 400 boys and 30 girls and to see if this is something that we would want to take our kids to. Uh, it, uh, Project Esqua is what it is. So we land in Port-au-Prince, you drive six hours and they're on this, this huge plot of land and it's a Catholic organization that's feeding these kids and, and housing these kids. And a lot of times, some of them, it, half foster would stay there, half would go home, but they would come during the day because it's just a safe place. And uh, we were sitting there and we kind of were going over a bucket list of things we want to do. And I don't know where the, the genesis of the, the I want to walk across the country. I want to walk and maybe I could do it for Project Esquad and I could you know raise money for Project uh, Esquad. Yeah. And that started a whole, the whole um, idea. And I, I spent a year. Um, so it must have been when I was 23 because I did my walk when I was 24 uh, of praying, researching um, and doing a, a all these maps and figuring out where I'm going to go. So before we get yes, into the details, because yes, I'm super, I want to dive into that. Before we get too far in the details, I want to know more about the skating. So when, when uh, yeah, what, what, was you, this like a, hey, I was in church. Some other church folks are like, hey, bro, you want to like, I don't know, be with God and let, let's go get on some skateboards and like, let's do it. Like, so, like how, did, no, how did that so come I, about? I, the, walking in, you're like, oh, you're a skater. I was like, yeah. <laughs> But I, there was no, I was a terrible skater. I skated in my neighborhood, and I'm like, did we film that? Where did he find? And then it dawned on me, there's a video on YouTube called Softcore Parkour that a friend and I did, and I think I was 22 at the time. Um, and we just kind of made fun of the, the whole hardcore parkour uh, genre, kind of like you were saying in, in the office, where hardcore parkour. <laughs> So feel free to look up softcore parkour, Frank Kamasi, and, and have a laugh at my expense. So, so if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to go back and remember. So you had a different hairstyle back then, I right? I did. Uh, did I have? I didn't have. No, that was um, that was post post walk. That that skating video. So yes, I did have that small. Uh, adolescent skating career where I still have cracked ankles, but yes, well, after my walk, I guess I made that video after my walk because I had my dreads then. That's right. Yeah. That, I distinctly remember the dreadlocks. <laughs> yes. As, as many do. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, so that's really awesome. So you grew up family business, mm -hmm. um, started to get more involved with the church, Yep. went to, to research and look at a mission, um, in Haiti, find out if that's something that could be part of the church. Mm -hmm. Um, during that, a lot of conversations happened, yeah. uh, philosophizing, yeah. if you will. <laughs> Is this a good idea, a bad idea? Right. And so part of that, right, during that journey, which, which, you know, some people have all those deep conversations is like the bucket list came out. Yeah. And part of the bucket list is a walk. Hey, I want to walk across the States. So, yeah. um, just like anybody, you know, good person that wants to do the Appalachian trail or anything else, there's some planning that's involved. Yeah. Um, so, so tell us a little bit more about the planning that you mm. did and and just starting of that that journey and well, how how did your family and friends react i don't think they believed me <laughs> until i bought a plane ticket out west uh, but over that year <sighs> i actually found somebody online that had done the same walk so i had some correspondence and and, and hey how many miles did you do um did, was it the road that you went on safe uh what is great is it's route 20 up in massachusetts there's a route 20 here in niceville and it goes right through my town until recently, maybe five to six years, it, 
is finally recognized as the longest, oldest road in the country. Wow. It goes from Newport, Oregon to Boston, Massachusetts, literally ocean to ocean. Um, I stepped off 20, walked down the path, and, and, you know, and got to the Pacific. So I had to figure out where Route 20 is. How many miles can I walk? I trained. Um, for those who are listening and not walking, I, the finger quotes were definitely there. I can think of the Rocky montage, like you're, but you're like going up and down stairs. Oh and my! Like. No, I, I, well, I, so I was like leading up to, I'm like, all right, everything will be in a backpack. You know, I'll put everything in, and I'll, I walked, you know, 12, 13 miles with a 30 pounds in my backpack and it hurt, but I, that's why you train, right? To get used to it. Um, and we'll get to w- the, what I ended up actually using in a second. Um, so I did that little training. I went and bought those big map books um <laughs> that you'd find at cbs or whatever oh, yeah. it is and i all right this road squiggles how do i figure out how long this road is so every inch is a mile correct on a map or whatever so i took like 10 inches of string and i marked out an inch on every you know with the marker and then i pinned route 20 on the map and then i would wrap the string around the pins oh wow along the road so it gave me a better idea of how far i could walk I had the first eight weeks planned out in a little notebook of how far I was going to walk between 12 and 15 miles a day, where, um, where I'm going to stop, how, you know, what I'm going to need. And, uh, that was the, the planning stages of it and just buying stuff, um, sleeping bag. Everybody says your sleeping bag in your tent is the most important thing. Um, and so, yeah, I slowly started to buy stuff. I don't think, like I said, my parents believe me until I bought a plane ticket because in my head, it made more sense to fly out where I was and walk home. Yeah. So my whole premise, my whole website was my walk home because every day I'm literally closer to home. And that was, that was a really um, positive thought to have rather than every day I'm getting further from <laughs> home. Yes. I will say good the, mental strategy. Yeah. The, <laughs> the shock of getting in a plane and flying for six hours and being like, I got to walk back. <laughs> it's like, you know, looking down and being like, oh man, was this a good idea? So yeah, that was, that was pretty much the planning. I, I didn't train as, as well as I probably should. I'll say that. How, so, you know, it's funny, like when you look at the, um, the, the trail and all that stuff. So did you like, like, so like I, I tried when I was going to retire, when I was going through the retirement and I, and I was going to be like, Hey, I can take some time off before a job. And I was going to walk the Appalachian yeah. trail. And so I was reading books and studying and like it's too broken, unfortunately to do all that. Cause you know, I have to take my CPAP machine with me until I yeah. <laughs> didn't need that anymore. Um, but like one of the things that was really big was, and I didn't know this, they would plan out like having brand new shoes ever so often, mm-hmm. like in these drop boxes yeah. or like they would stop, you know, X a mile and, and they'd have like a mailbox, yeah. you know, that or a post office box they purchased. So did, was that part of the planning to like actually like, hey, I have to have, you know, this place, I'm going to buy new socks and or shoes mm-hmm. and then just toss the other ones? Was that yeah. part of your planning? Yeah. So I learned too, um, if you label something, so if I wanted to send something to be held at a, a mail uh, facility, a, a, a post office, you mark it general mailbox and they'll hold it for two weeks. So I was able to tell my family where I was, where, where I was going to be in a week. So they would say, um, uh, what's a good Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, I don't know, um, or Jamaica, New York. You know, I want to actually give a town that's on 20 and market general mailbox. It would be waiting there for me. And they're like, we we're wondering what this was because <laughs> sometimes it'd be in the middle of nowhere and I would roll up and, you know, they would see that and I'd open it up and it, yeah, it would be a pair of shoes. And I'd always have two pairs of shoes. 
um, so I could swap them out because uh, the cushioning needs about 24 hours to reset. So with, with that, right, so you have more of the, you know, material, right, the, the clothing. How, how many pairs of clothes did you, did you take? And was that part of the plan too? So did the socks and shoes a big deal, but like, did you like hand wash and replenish the clothes? Did you have those at the drop boxes as well, if you will? Like, how did that work out? Yeah, I washed when I could. Um, I mean, and we, there's so many things that we could, we could talk about because I utilized, you know, couch surfing, which is an organization that allowed you to stay on their couch. So I, I stayed probably at 40 different people's houses. Um, so I had three pairs of clothes, you know, three shirts, three shoes, uh, three shorts, a uh, pair of pants that I could zip away. So um, those could be shorts, three or four pairs of underwear, um, wash them when I could. Did you do the inside, outside, front, back? Did you <laughs> probably at some point? So, so the the other good thing about Route Twenty is it's an old railroad uh, path. So they built the road after the railroad. So every twenty to forty miles, for those steam engines to cool down, they would need a town. So there was always something. I think the the most time I spent out in the the wild was maybe two or three days. Mm. Um, so I never really had to, if, if I started to really stink, then yeah, um, I'd make something happen, but hygiene was never really an issue, um, because I had the ability to, you know, do the, the clean wipes and right. as long as I just didn't, didn't stink, uh, I was going <laughs> to go. Well, it depends on who you ask, yeah, right? So fair. like you start getting yeah, <laughs> normalized. Blind, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, I was curious about the materials first. So you had the planning stages of like, Hey, this is where I'm going to go at my stops. And then the materials that you decided to actually, mm-hmm. um, not only carry with you, but then have planned in stages. Yeah. And then, so, so yeah, definitely. Uh, Cause I want to, the biggest question I have is so with the couch surfing and planning that out, but I'm really curious about the people you met. Like yeah. that is one of my questions I've been really wanting to ask forever is just, can you tell me a little bit, I just, 100%. not a little bit, but tell me about the people you met on your journey all the way from the West coast to the East coast. Yeah. And I, I need to write a book about the, the greatness of the people that I met. It was fantastic. It, it completely, and not that I had lost faith in humanity by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it just showed me how good people can be. Um, and then the situations you're in, how something small can be so massive in scale. Um, so starting out, um, the people that I met, uh, so I would, I was up in the, the, the high desert for the beginning part of, of the walk and, and did a lot of just tenting off the side of the road. Um, people weren't st- super approachable. They weren't, you know, coming out and seeing me if they were, you know, and if I was walking through a town or something and, oh, they would stop by and see me and say, you know, hi, I've been, I saw your website. I went on and said, hello. Um, you're the first kind of big, within 20 minutes of starting the walk, I met my first person I had breakfast with him. He was playing, you know, I started, he was playing the guitar. I was like, oh, I got to eat something before, you know, I really get on the road. And, and I, he's like, what are you doing? And I told him, he's <laughs> like, do you want breakfast? I was like, I love breakfast. So it was within 20 minutes. I was like, all right, this, this is going to be great. Wow. Um, and then proceeded to cry every day for two months saying, why did I do this? <laughs> but understandable, <laughs> but the, uh, the curiosity of people was great. Um, once I did get into the high desert and cause people, you know, there's 10 miles between houses there or whatever it is. Uh, if, um, I remember knocking on somebody's door and I would stand back. I didn't want to be, you know, that aggressive presence right at your door. Shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. When you're, you're 15 miles from the nearest town and somebody's walking up to your door, you know, ringing the doorbell and there's no car in your driveway. Yeah. 
And I remember stepping back. And I said, hey, my name is Francis Kamasi. This is what I'm doing. Here's the website. I'm just wanting to pitch a tent. I, it seems like this is all your property. Uh, would that be okay? And the, the woman said, oh, let's go ask my husband. He's out in the field. So we went over and spoke with him. He's like, oh, don't do that. We have an RV in the, in the, the barn in the back. Um, you could stay there. I was like, oh, okay. You know, looking back on it now, I probably should have had a little, been a little bit more tentative. But at this point, <laughs> I probably had slept outside for two weeks. Yeah. I'd have to go back and see the date. And um, they said, okay, yeah, once you get settled, come in for, bre- uh, for dinner. We're going to have some spaghetti. Said, okay. Had me in, had a great conversation. I was like, all right, I'm going to bed. And they're like, all right, make sure you come back in the morning. We're going to have breakfast for you for when you leave. Wow. Like nothing ever, I never asked that. I, I, it was extremely humbling. Mm-hmm. Um, to just be given those things when you know I I didn't want I didn't ask for them and people were just so willing to give of themselves and just there's there's a, two or three specific stories that really stick out to me um, when I was in Wyoming uh, somebody just saw me multiple days and I was coming out of a grocery store it's like hey I I've been seeing you I do um, deliveries along the way what are you doing so I told them. So my family lives in, in this town uh, down the road, about 20 miles. Here's their number. Call them when you get there. I'll tell them you're calling. So in case you need anything. So two days go by, I get to that town. I call them. And we just hit it off. Um, we really did. Uh, just the, They let me stay at their house. They invited me to their child's like, swim meet. So I went to the swim what? meet with them. <laughs> and I stayed with them, I think, two or three days. Like, hey, um, we're going on vacation in a week. To the I believe it was the Mississippi River. We have a family reunion. You want to go? I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. They said, this is where I'll be in a week. And they go, that's perfect. We the the roads intersect. You know, in that area, we'll come pick you up. Um, and so I get to that point. And the previous night, we can discuss this later. I had the scariest night of my life, not due to people, but due to nature. Um, very eye-opening experience. Very how small you can feel uh, in nature. The next day. They pick me up and I spend four days at the Hasselhorse reunion on the Mississippi <laughs> River. And they, I was one of the family. That's awesome. Um, and then they invited me. It was like a year later. They're like, hey, so-and-so's getting married. Do you want to come out? I was like, that is beautiful. I thank you so much. I can't, but thank you for the invite. <laughs> and I still actually um, correspond with some of them today. Wow. It's been 13 years. That's amazing. Yeah, I... I mean, that sort of just blows my mind, but it's funny because like that range true of other stories too. If I, if I read, you know, even that, again, the Appalachian trail, but sometimes they go off and they trail come angels. back in and yeah, right. Trail angels. Um, but it, it is, I, I think like we, you know, the media portrays a lot of stuff and we get a lot of negativity on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis. And sometimes it is nice just to go like touch back again, you know, with the basis of humanity and just, yeah. you know, we're all humans. And I think at, at the core of all of us, we still have love for other humans, you of know, course. I mean, it's, at the very root, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, there's some things in our environment that happen that, you know, unfortunately steer us one way or another. But, you know, again, at the root, when you see another human and they need help, your initial thought is like, no, get away, you know, jerk off or whatever. But it's it's like, how can I help you? Right. And especially like you said, you know, country folk, if you will, but like folks that are, because it's communal, it becomes a communal thing. If I'm 15 miles away and I need something compared to like going an hour and a half to a grocery store, I'm going to go over to that 15 miles, you know, my tractor or horse yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah, and get yeah. something. And so that just builds that culture and environment within those families. So that's, that's amazing. And I don't think people on the East coast are less um, willing to help. 
I think they're just a little bit more standoffish, but the level of, of generosity is the same. You know, everyone thinks uh, East Coast are kind of, we stick to our own thing. You think, you know, the New York City subway, everybody's on their own headphones and stuff like that. But I, I felt generosity throughout um, my walk from, from ocean to ocean. Uh, and just these are, are sparking all these memories. So my, <laughs> I don't think, I don't know if you know this, my grandfather surprised me on, on the road. I was in Sac City, Iowa, literally in the middle of nowhere, and this RV pulls up, and he, that looks like my grandfather's RV. And then he gets out, I'm like, that is my grandfather. <laughs> he had an RV that he would drive around the country, and I had a little GPS that I would hit so my parents could see where I'm at. I hit it about every hour. Good call. So they could go, <laughs> and I had that open to the public at first, and then I realized, all right, that that's that's putting too much information out there. So I took that part of the website off. Yeah. And... Um, the best days of that trip were he drove me 200 miles. And in, my, in the first, when I got on his RV and he started driving, I'm like, I'm not walking. I'm not, I'm not going to have him bring me back. This thing's the plan was never to walk every single step. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was the journey. Um, and we get to Galena, Illinois, and we, we post up in a, a RV park. And I spent three days with my grandfather. Wow. Playing pool, asking about my father and his childhood because I just don't know. I didn't, you know, never had the opportunity to really ask him. And yeah. it was the best three days of the trip. And I wouldn't, I would sacrifice, yeah, <laughs> that entire trip for those three days. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, so before we get too far past that point, yeah. So you did say because <laughs> you you opened the door. So you have to tell me about the uh, the scary part about being in nature. Yeah. Like I, cause I mean, I think it's interesting again, reading all these books and you, you hear about people in the hammocks or people in the tents and they hear something and it's like, or they're walking on a trail now, you know, social media, you see that they're walking on a trail and all of a sudden this grizzly bear is following them along the trail or something like that. So yeah, please yeah. tell us the story. And, and I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm a man of faith. Um, so I have to, I have to think that there were people, um, you know, I know there were people praying for me and, and, and somebody watching over me because I, I walked through. Yellowstone. Um, and as I'm walking in Yellowstone, someone's like, do you have bear mace? I'm like, no, do I need bear mace? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. So I had bear mace, um, which I was ready to use on anybody if I needed to. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I was walking next to, to 2,000, 3,000 pound bison. Um, By the way, it, my spirit animal. Yeah. Oh, nice. Love bison. I see it. Yes. Uh, and... Yeah, leaving, you know, I couldn't camp because there was a bear attack uh, as I was leaving Yellowstone. Somebody died. And then the people that I was speaking with at the gate were like, did you see those five grizzlies or whatever bear they were back there? I'm like, nope, I didn't. Thank God I didn't because, yeah, um, I had things at night that would, (laughs) they would sniff at my tent. (laughs) I had no idea what it was. And you're like, thank goodness for the no hygiene. (laughs) And Yeah, right. You can smell me 10 miles away. And I had this little pocket knife. <laughs> I was just naive. So I would punch the tent. I'd see something sniffing at my tent and I'd just punch the tent. And just hope for the best. <laughs> One time I heard like a rustling. I'm like, all right, this is where I die. And I opened up. I was like, I got to see. And it was a cow. That was just <laughs> like, was in somebody's oh, property. Not to not to do comparison, but listen on on the tombstone or in your obituary. Yeah, die by grizzly bear. Yeah. Oh wow, die by bison. Well, he's probably more on die by cow. Yeah. Well, then you, <laughs> just, you probably deserve it. <laughs> what were you doing to put yourself in that position? It just laid right on top of you. You know, like yeah. that's pretty funny. 
So um, nature was always something that was a factor, and I didn't want it to delay a lot of the trip. So if it was raining, I would just batten down the hatches and walk through the rain. And that's, it is wow. what it is. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, and I would wear the same clothes. I wouldn't try and dry off midday. Um, I would just walk and be drenched. And it, I mean, it, it was uncomfortable, but I needed to do it because I needed to think about the next day. That, so I had dry clothes, dry socks, dry shoes. So the time I'm in, in Wyoming, and I think I told myself, no, it's Nebraska. I, before I said, just don't camp out in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska. You know, there's tornadoes in Nebraska. Let's <laughs> not do that. But it was, I was done walking. And, and by the way, to kind of give you a sense of, of scale, I planned 12 to 15 miles a day. Within two weeks, I was walking 20. Oh. Um, did you they, get that? So they call them hiker thighs. Did you get like walking thighs? Like, did you notice no, your leg muscles starting to just... No, my calf muscles were, were huge. Yeah. Um, and by the time I got to Boise, so I think I was like a month and a half in, two months in, um, I did develop, uh, what do you call that? When, not arthritis, but I, I like moving my knee was just super painful. Not tinnitus. Uh, tinnitus. Was it tinnitus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I had to kind of take a break. In Boise, and my parents actually flew out and, and stayed with me, so that was cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then when they dropped me off and I'm walking into the mountains, that was super, not mountains, but big rolling hills and just watching the only thing that comforts you. <laughs> just walk, <laughs> go drive away. Good luck. You didn't uh, take it serious. Yeah, so. <laughs> you, you got to do it now. Uh, so don't don't camp out in the middle of Nebraska, but I was so close to this town, just a couple miles, but it was getting dark. Didn't want to do it. So I decided to pitch the tent. These people are coming to get me in the next day. Uh, over a hill and it's a one person tent um and i just tiny i, I wish I, I probably still have it somewhere bring everything inside batten down the hatches on my stroller so i ended up pushing a stroller rather than carrying a backpack and this stroller had actually gone across the country already with somebody else oh wow yeah so this thing by the end had you know five six thousand miles on wow. it wow um and it started to rain which is no big deal and Start to rain even more, and I could sleep through that stuff. But then the wind started to pick up, and this is probably around one thirty. And, wait, and you said this is Idaho, sorry, Nebraska. Nebraska, sorry. Yeah. Okay, yep, Nebraska. Uh, and it's funny going back and looking at the pictures. Just I took pictures of pre going to sleep, like of where I was, and just knowing what was was gonna happen. And it may not seem overly dramatic. I didn't get picked up by a tornado, but um, the wind picks up, and I'm like, all right, this is fine. And then I just remember the sense and I never felt this I couldn't see it but I could just feel the heaviness of the clouds I could like hear the clouds moving um because the wind just never stopped dying it just was perpetual um for about an hour and then once the rain got to it felt like a hurricane then when the lightning started to come and I was like, this is where tornadoes happen. Like, this is, this is what's going to happen. It's, it's, it's almost 2 in the morning. Nothing, nothing good happens at 2 in the morning. No, nothing <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> and I remember it was a really odd feeling. I don't remember it till the day I die. I was in my, my um, sleeping bag, and I didn't like that feeling. So I unzipped. I got out, and I was on top of my sleeping bag. I just felt like I was being restricted somehow. I remember opening the zipper to the tent and looking out and being like, should I go out to the road and like flag down help? Who's going to, who's going to be there? Mm -hmm. No, I'll stay in here. I'll ride this out. But then the lightning and the thunder was just so close. It was lightning and thunder instantaneously. Oh, um, 
it was a crack. You know, if you've ever been around where it like hits a tree or something. Oh yeah. It was that. And it was so bright that I I had my eyes closed and I could see, you know, when you shut someone shines oh. like you see the blood yes. in your eyelids. Yes. It was that. And I just remember being like, this is where I die. I this is not <laughs> what I wanted this to be. Yeah. Um, I wasn't crying. I wasn't I was just so petrified. I don't ever say I'm starving because I've seen starvation. Mm -hmm. I'm, I've never been starving in my life. I'm very hungry. Mm -hmm. That's my wife. I don't say starving. I can now say I've been truly petrified. Not being able to move. Fight or flight, you know, maybe if you, you know, get in an argument with somebody that's right. there. This was just, I was stuck. I was petrified. I, I couldn't move. And the lightning hit so close and so loud that it just, I thought I was, I thought I was going to die. Did you get your hair? Because I know sometimes the static electric, like, did your hair start standing That's a up? That's good point. I, I don't remember. I don't remember that. Um, I just remember uh, how loud. And my ears were ringing. It was just so loud. And I don't know how. I, it was a little bit of a rolling hill, and I was in the valley, and I'm like, what else is there out That's here? what I was going to ask. Were you the tallest thing out there? I think there was a, probably a telephone pole around me that that could have been hit. Um but I wasn't hit and, and going back, I just started praying, like, just be okay with this. And, and for a moment, that was a very pivotal moment in my life where you can control what you can control. Right. right. Um, and I was okay with this being it. Mm. it. It took me, you know, a little bit of time, but I, I, I don't you went know from like severe fear all the way to content. Yeah. Because there's just wow. no escaping it. Yeah you know, inevitability and, and just the idea of losing control in a person of uh, being a person of faith yeah. and surrendering is a big part of that faith. Right. Um, and to just say, you know what, I'm okay with this. I'm, I'm ready. Right. This is what you're calling me for because it, this is where I'm at. And, and for me, like seeing Jesus on the cross and he knew he was going to die. Right. That he accepted that, and just to to have that heart and to sacrifice yourself for for your followers was something. I'm like, I have the chance to live, but you were okay with dying, mm -hmm. so I have to be okay with dying. Wow. I'm gonna surrender myself right now. This is this is you, and it passed, and it was over, and uh, I remember <laughs> like two a.m. Two tears, one for one for terror and one for joy. Mm -hmm. Very specifically, two tears, and I called my mother at two a.m. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a hell of an experience. It, yeah, and I, just, I use hell on purpose because of that. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it's that real. Yeah, it's that real to me. Yeah, um, and I called her and I just told her what happened. Mm -hmm. and she just listened. And I have a journal for every single day, and I haven't read that entry in a long time. And I would like after this to go back and read it. Uh, yeah, because it, it that is literally life changing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm an emotional guy, so you're gonna get this probably two or three times. Yeah, no, so no, no, it's, that's it's fine. okay. Yes. Well, it's you know, it's authentic, it's real, right? It's yeah. um, I think that's important. It's imperative. People, people always go through. You know, you hear people that have gone through car wrecks and yeah. gone through. I mean, just all these things. And because sometimes you get into the 
rigmarole, if you will, of life, right? Yeah. And you're just going through the day to day to day to day, and then you have something that that rattles your life, and you go like, like whoa, like it's it's so fragile. And because you always hear that, like, hey, take every second, don't take it for granted. Yeah. You know, make sure you live that. But what do you, ref- you know, if you don't have a reference point to that, something can change right. like that. It's easy to say, but you, unfortunately, you have to have something that does happen to allow that to actually be a catalyst for change. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's. I, I, yeah, I have no comparison, nor do I even want to try to. No, you, you, I'm sure. I'm, <laughs> no, and, and it doesn't have to be to a degree of, of near death experience, but to see something um, that can just change your mind. Yes. Um, yes. I, I think that's that's so. So did I mean, goodness gracious, with that experience, um, was it hard to be motivated to continue after that? Or did you really go, man, I, I think maybe this, this could be the sign that I need to go ahead and stop at this point. Okay. So, I mean, say you, you leave right now, right. And you're in your car and you almost have this terrible accident. It it doesn't stop you from, from driving later on, you know, from continuing your life. Right. And at this point I'm probably two and a half months in. So 28 days to create a habit, something like that for two and a half months, this has been my life. Um, and I loved it and it really, it was just something that happened and that I was ready to, to continue. At that point, I, I would have to look at a map, but I'm almost halfway across the country. Yeah. Four states cover half the country. So Oregon, Idaho, uh, Wyoming, and Nebraska are, are such a big stretch. That's nice. Um, so so did you, just in retrospect, yeah. hard to go back. It's uh, We can get into a whole... I should have, yeah, I should have read my journal previously. We can, do, we can do a whole long story about, if you go back in history yeah, and try yeah, to make this decision, you know, going back, that's almost impossible to think about, but... So do you think if that would have happened in the first month that you may have completely changed your mind comparatively speaking to being halfway through the journey? Uh, no, because I think in a a good way, pride would have had something to do with it. (laughs) Um, you know, not pride that it was, this is what I set out to do. This is going to do, but yeah. How do you know? Because I probably, I think I called my dad three weeks in. I was like, dad, why did I do this? I'm uncomfortable all the time. I'm like, I'm away from you guys. I have nobody here. I'm eating dry ramen. Like, what am I doing? So yeah, we call for a lot. It, it's called the hobo snack. You take ramen, you crunch it up, you pour the sprinkle, the seasoning in there, and then you shake it and eat it like chips. Fantastic. <laughs> My daughter would love that. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, so maybe, maybe I would like to think Ooh. that, but maybe that's once again. I, it's hard. It's hard. Like, yeah. I mean, contextually speaking, like you can't ever try to put yourself back in that, that place. Yeah. And I, I would love to go into all these stories. Just, it reminds me being in Boise, my, my stroller broke. So I had a stroller and some guy, the front wheel would spin so I could you know manipulate it. And, uh, I'm walking about four days outside of Boise and he pulls over and it was a burly stroller. And he's like, Hey, what's going on? I just saw your stroller burly. Um, my brother actually is the one of the the CEOs or CEO no, of the country, no the way. company. I go, are you serious? He's like, yeah. He's like, do you need anything? I'm like, yeah. No. Yes. No. <laughs> uh, I'm like, my front tires. It it worked enough where I could push it, sure. but it was it was made it difficult. Not efficient. Yeah. I show up in Boise four days later, and there's a wheel waiting for me at this guy's house, and my parents are with me, and I told them the story. I'm like, if this is. <laughs> How? <laughs> if I had any question that I'm not supposed to do this or supposed to do this, this is like, wow. Yeah, in the middle of Route 20, Idaho, and <laughs> the guy, yeah, saves me. So yeah, it's really funny because you would think that he'd want to. I mean, I hopefully he took some advantage of some marketing insight. 
know, whatever. Maybe. I, you know, social, I, I guess social media was big back in, what was that? I did that in 2010. I would have jumped all over that. Wait, this I, is the second time going across the state? Yeah, I know. You're just going to have a kid for this many years, yeah. and not, you're not going to hit any <laughs> amount of mileage on this. And all we had was a you know a defunct front wheel. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was really you know? good. <laughs> I'm just surprised that the tires lasted that well, long. Well, they, they they're pneumatic, so if I needed a bike tire or something, I could, you know, that's uh, the stuff where I had extra parts for. I got gotcha. you. Um, but the one of the wheels would always work itself out. So like every three miles, I had to put it back in. <laughs> it was called Buddy. That's so at least when I was writing about it, um, I, I could ha say, hey, the Buddy. The name was? Buddy, yeah. Buddy of the stroller. Yeah. My father's favorite picture of the whole trip was I took a picture of Buddy and just coincidentally um, prevised a coach. I don't know if you know. Oh, yeah. So they started a million dollars. So this Prevost is in the background <laughs> with this extra trailer that's half the size of the Trevis that the color scheme matches the coach. Yeah. And he's like, love this big word. The juxtaposition yep, yep. of travel yep. in this is fantastic. <laughs> oh, man. And I remember sitting at a campsite and I, a guy was riding a horse and he invited me over. He was he just he rides horses up and down the country. And we were sitting at a fire and just 20 yards away was an RV and kids were playing video games in the back of it. And I'm like. I'm sitting. I got here by foot. He got here by horse. They got here by 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 RV, which is great. But you're sitting playing a video game, and you're on the outskirts of Yellowstone. Um, I, I listened to this guy's stories as as much as I could sitting by a fire. So it's just the way you travel is really interesting. Wow, that's almost like it's like the the tear down from planes, trains, and automobiles, yeah. right? It's like we don't even have that. It's like oh, I'm I'm the walking the horse. I mean, that's like like. You could do a prequel. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Were, I met multiple people going across the country. Most of them were really? on, Most of them were on bikes. I didn't meet any other walkers. And it was somewhat depressing because I would meet them and I'd been walking for three months and they had been riding for nine days <laughs> and they'd covered the same amount of ground. Because <laughs> I ended up, yeah, walking like 26 to 30 miles a day. A couple of times I walked 45 miles. Wow. The lo so the longest you ever walked in one stretch was, was 45? 46, and then I walked 45 once or twice um, because you have nothing else to do. Wow. So I would sit and take a snack and be like, I sat for 15 minutes. I could be another mile and a half down the road. So as far as like the one question I didn't ask earlier, but did like, because you said pictures. So what other kind of electronics? I'm assuming a phone, you had a GPS. Mm -hmm. Did you have any like headphones or anything? Did you listen to music or was it just so like... So I did for the first two weeks and then I hated it. Really? So I just... I, I was silent um, the whole time, uh, and I loved it. A um, lot of like you know internal conversations. Oh, that gets scary for but, that amount of time. Yeah, I mean, you can I, go down some rabbit holes. It's great <laughs> because you would just. I would walk against traffic so I could see what's coming. I'd rather you know have the chance to jump out of the way if sure. somebody. And some of the shoulders weren't great, but you know cars coming up from behind me. You play that like what what kind of car is this? And you get to know is it a truck? Is it a um, is it a tractor trailer that's carrying uh, cows and you know the, those stinks? So you yes. get ready to hold your, So you kind of play games like that with yourself, but you're you're just out there. You don't see anybody for an hour. Take advantage of those moments, wow. you know. Um, yeah, that was great. I, I missed that. So I had a a, um, a netbook. So you remember this is 2010. I had a flip yep. camera. Okay. You know, with the little red button on the back. Sweet, yes. I had a phone that did you know, one of these things. Yes. So that was that was old. I still have that thing. I'd love to get that up and running. I had a external hard drive. I had uh, a, like a Rebel XDI kind of S, um, SLR camera. 
And I, I, that's what I did. I probably took over 10, 12,000 pictures. Wow. And until two, three months ago, I had no idea where this hard drive was. It's been oh, 12 no. years. I had, I had maybe 20 videos on a, on, on a cloud somewhere yeah. and some pictures from my website, my journal entries. And my brother built a house you know, at this point, 10, 13 years ago. And he just sent me a box of just my crap that he somehow <laughs> got. And in it was that hard drive. Oh. And I, my heart sank because I, it was like an HP, it's the size of your phone. This is what I think it is. I'm going to lose it. And I plug it in and it is every video. It's probably two, 300 videos. It's 10,000 pictures. It's every journal entry. And I call him at, once again, I'm an emotional guy. Yeah. I start crying and I thanked him. Oh. I'm like, not, not for me. Yeah. It's for Kairos. Yeah. So Kairos is my son. He's two and a half years old. I want him to have this. Yes. Like this is something your dad did at 24. So yeah. Because I want to encourage him to do things like that. I don't know how my parents let me do it now that I'm a father. Like, <laughs> yeah, God, society. And it, I mean, it's it's changed totally a little changed bit. A little. Um, but yeah, so it's it I, was. I do have a question. Yeah. So because you know, back when I heard this story a long time ago, hence the reason I'm super interested in it is I've always wondered. Like, I mean, do you think at some point you would be interested in in putting a book together with this kind of this information? Now that I have all the material, and it's it's. I need to go back and read it. I need to read it myself and, and figure out. Cause just speaking with you, I'm remembering all these little stories and I apologize if it ruins the timeline of what no, we're no, speaking we're about, good. No, we're but good. it feels good to, to talk about it because it's not something that organically comes up in conversation all too often. Yeah. Um, usually it might happen, you know, I meet somebody and like, Oh, a friend did something interesting back in the day. And then I get to speak a little bit about it, but I'm just, I'm, I'm not a self promoter. Yep. Um, I think you should be, but that's just, yes, I'm, so, I promote for you. Thank that's you. <laughs> no. And that's why I really appreciate this opportunity because I do, I just, I was so entrenched in that life for five months. It's nice to relive it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would like to probably put something together. I mean, I can only imagine now too, in retrospect, right? So you could, <laughs> you could, sorry, this is just my promoting you and helping, um, like get a book together and it could be a coffee table, whatever kind of format you want to do because you have all the pictures and videos and I mean, you could do basically two, right? So you have like the software version, if you yeah. will, and then a no joke printed out copy. And I can imagine the printed copy being here's, here's what I write in retrospect now. And then ha having some of those journal entries lead the way, right? Like, yeah. so, I mean, what a cool combination of the pictures, the journal entries, and then your retrospect going back Yeah. now. I mean, that would be amazing. I think a lot of people would be I, interested I, in that. I, I think I needed to be away from it for a while to realize, you know, cause to, to kind of go back a little bit, through that year of planning, I realized it needed to be a personal pilgrimage. I didn't want to have an agenda. So what I ended up taking pictures down in Esquire and selling a book and then donating part of the money back to Esquire. Um, it was the, you know, the children this of is Haiti. The ha Haiti yeah, so I, I raised some money to send back to, to the, the, um, the foster home. And uh, then I used some of the money to help fund the trip. Because um, I, I realized I didn't want to have to wake up and think about how do I promote this the best? How do I, okay, I got to make contacts in these cities for what I'm doing. Um, I just wanted to wake up and walk. And it had to be, the reason had to be, you know, enough to get you out of bed when you're uncomfortable, mm -hmm. knowing you're going to walk 15 miles. Like if you woke up, if I woke up tomorrow, I was like, crap, I got to walk to work. I live two and a half miles away from work. I'm like, that's daunting. 
So well, first just, off, let's just talk about the environment. It's like 100 degrees, 110% humidity. So it's 100. I mean, <laughs> it's so not very pleasant I, to I, walk anywhere. Right now. I left in <laughs> April um, of 2010 and finished October. So it was really funny because, excuse me, as I got up to the mountains, it it snowed um, in May where I was in the high desert, and I was at a rest stop between towns. And I didn't want to sleep outside in the snow. So the rest stop had individual stalls, like bathrooms. So I just took all my stuff. I put it in the bathroom. I put my, you know, something on the floor to sleep. I wrote out of order and I slapped it on the door and I locked it. Like, oh, wow. So no one would bother me and the lights wouldn't go out, but at least I was dry. Is this, is this where, thank goodness, the hygiene wasn't necessarily great? I was living in a bathroom for a night. I could. Oh uh, my gosh. Yeah. That's. I mean, and it know. was like, you know, people were trying to get in thinking it wasn't out of order. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't care. It's out of order. What are I, you yeah, doing? I don't care. Oh, wow. So, Fran, along your journey, um, how did you notice like people approaching you? You know, they, they say, hey, you know, are you homeless? Or like, did you get that sense because of the hygiene, the hair growth? I mean, yeah. you're pushing a, a stroller along. I definitely, um, th- there were a couple things. Uh, some people are more tentative. You know, if they saw me a few weeks and I was doing the same thing over and over, they would stop and say, hey, we actually looked up your website. This is really cool what you're doing. Um, yeah, I had a letter, uh, of like a reference letter from my hometown priest. So if I went to a church, I could show them, had a phone number, they could call, stuff like that. Uh, but I remember getting to a town and the church uh, wouldn't let me stay with them and I couldn't stay in the park. Uh, so they referred me to a homeless shelter. So I went. And I stayed at a homeless shelter, which was a very interesting process. It's, there's almost like an interview process. Really? Um, you kind of have to tell them about yourself, like if you had drug use, anything like that. Um, and so that was very humbling. I ended up staying with a, a guy. And you realize the people there, they're, they're just down on their luck. You know, something may have happened in their life where they're just family has kicked them out. Um, they lost a job, so they got kicked out, and they're just there. And there was, you know, they can stay there. It's dry. There's bathrooms. There's food, and just sitting around and, and speaking with people that were staying there was was. Um, I'm not going to say a great experience. It was just eye opening and and um, humbling, and uh, it made me think like these people probably don't believe me what I'm doing. You know, they, they have no reason to believe what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. it was it, it was a little bit isolating. Um, so, so funny enough, you met all these people along the way, out mm-hmm. almost in the middle of nowhere, yeah. that were extremely friendly. But yeah. then you go to a yeah. place that has all these people, yeah. and it's almost you feel more alone. Yeah, yeah. And and I I would never push back. Like, really, you're not going to let me stay because it's just all right. This is just another experience. This is all part of it. Um, I remember when I was leaving, I walked through Chicago, and I'm glad I didn't know certain things about Chicago and um, how bad South Chicago was. So I was walking and I'm about to like leave this, the city limits of Chicago and this guy on this bike, it was 10 a.m. This guy on this bike, he's like, hey, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm, this is my trip. I'm, I'm just going to the Pacific, to the Atlantic. I said, well, what, what am I walking into? He's like, well, I drive buses around here and I'm just going to tell you, everybody you don't want to meet is sleeping right now, so you better go. I was like, Okay, so that lit a fire. <laughs> so I think I probably, I, my average was about three miles an hour. You know, it was a leisurely walk. It mm-hmm. was, like, yeah, I probably was about five that day. <laughs> <laughs> Just, and then uh, that put me near uh, Gary, Indiana. 
and I walked through Gary, Indiana, once again, not knowing a few years prior, it was the, voted the most dangerous city in the country. Wow. Um, so that, that I actually played the homeless card. I didn't want to see myself as somebody valuable, has valuable things. Right. Um, I turned my sign over. I just kind of kept my head down. I had a kind of a bushy beard, um, let my hair get all crazy, let myself look a little dirty. So, I, well, I didn't hear about the sign thing. You had a sign on, on your... On the front of the cart. Oh. Mywalkhome.com. Oh, didn't know yeah. that part. Yeah. Okay. And awesome. that, yeah, like I said, I'll send you some pictures so you can get yeah. a, a visualization. But that was probably the only time I ever really played the, the homeless cards. I didn't want to be a target. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Uh, some opposite. Yeah. <laughs> That's good you stuff. You don't think about those things until you're in it. So can you tell us sort of the approach to the end of your journey and how that made you feel sort of emotionally, spiritually, and just getting towards the end. And then, you know, we'll talk about that transition after, but tell me, tell me like you're getting to that last, you know, what, 20 miles or so, like yeah. just, I mean, besides elation, cause I'm pretty sure I can only imagine anything but elation, but like, how, how did that feel? Like, did you start, I mean, what was your thought process and everything going through, like you're getting to the end? Yeah, so I, I did get a little bit of a break because my brother was getting married. So when I got to Syracuse, somebody came, picked me up. I got to go to my brother's. I wouldn't, once again, timing, walking, every part of it, not a huge, it's it's the whole journey. It's, sure. You know, um, I, I think I was ready to be done um, once I got, because at this point, it was it took me 152 days. But this is where that prior planning comes into play. Route 20 goes through my hometown. So when I got to Charlton, Massachusetts, which is 60 miles outside of Boston, like my friends were there, like family was there. They had signs like, no. they, it, we, yeah, we had a cookout. It was wow. awesome. So there was this finish line that I was looking forward to. So I was able to enjoy those. It wasn't like, you know, you see these guys and female men and women doing uh, Ironman and they're like stumbling to get, I didn't have that. You know, I wasn't, I didn't push myself really physically Mentally, yes, it was draining, but you're also, you're living it, so you're, you're used to it. But it also goes past Kamasi Masonry Supply wow. in Worcester. Wow. So I got to walk through my hometown. Um, <laughs> it's funny, the dangerous quarter mile of the whole journey was in Worcester, Massachusetts, <laughs> which is a downhill, double lane, shoulder that's eight inches wide. <laughs> I'm like, if I die here, that's going <laughs> to so like side shuffling with yeah. your shoulder? <laughs> I think, yeah. And, I, and it's so funny because... We have, I mean, the family's been in business 70, 80 years at this point. I don't know wow. the exact date. So people know what I was doing. So like, you know, the big tractor trailers that get, you know, bulk material from my, my father's place was, we saw a frame, I get a hawk going down and, you know, <laughs> they were moving over in the side of the road. But wow. yeah, it was that one stretch. But yeah, then getting to uh, Kamasi Masonry Supply was fantastic. And, and something I, didn't, I failed to mention is the turnover rate for my father's business was was nil. He had people there for 20, 25 years. I was always low man on the totem pole. So I was picking weeds at 14. I was picking <laughs> weeds in the yard at 24. But that meant I had a, a, a second family right. that knew it, that knew what I, what I was doing. Yeah. And they were just so ecstatic for me. That's so cool. Yeah. So the, the end of the journey was there. I think the coolest part was um, I could see when I got to, it was around Somerville, I could see... Uh, Hancock Tower, and I, uh, this is sad. I feel like I've lived in Florida too long. <laughs> I could see the tower, like the the main building in the Boston skyline, and I was like, "There's Oz, you know, the Emerald City is on the on the horizon." And I'm like, "I'm so close, man." Yeah, 
that's that's pretty epic yeah that's i i like i said i can't even imagine i mean i i have an understanding but i can't right it's what is sympathy empathy you know yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kind of understanding so what like that post week the week you mm-hmm. get back yeah like just tell me about that so you get back from your journey you had the barbecue hanging out family yeah. now did you go directly to the wedding or was that prior that's like Three weeks, two weeks prior. Okay. So I got, yeah. So okay. people got to see me. Got the wedding. Okay. So you you get back. How how was that first week being back and like getting? I mean, like getting back where you're not walking. You know, you're getting back into the the society, if you will, compared to just that nomadic lifestyle. Yeah. Like, so how was that that first week back? Um, I think like the first couple of days, I probably just slept and and hung out with my family. <laughs> um, but I'm a part of groups that have walked across. You know, on Facebook that have walked across. And I remember getting on there and be like, is anybody else depressed after their walk? And that was a very common thread. You miss the nomadic lifestyle. What was um, great and awful at the same time, and I think this has helped me in, in what I do now, is the ability to develop relationships really quickly, um, to find a commonality and be able to, to bond over that. Huge, that's what, huge. What was tough was leaving those. So I would meet, develop, and end friendships in spans of hours wow, and that was really difficult but it's also really exciting who am i going to meet today yeah. through couch surfing i stayed with a uh a japanese tea ceremony professor uh in the finger lakes i stayed with a judge who brought me into a court while he arraigned somebody and i sat in the jury box um you stay with i stayed with the utica college girls hockey team which i still touch. <laughs> so it, so these relationships that you develop like i i crave that i think it was mentally exhausting at the end but you go into this all right well i guess i'm going to do the same thing today as i did yesterday but it's not going to be new where yes i walked every day and that was but i met somebody new there was a new situation there was a new um a new uh problem to solve so i i would say it it i wasn't depressing Mm -hmm. you missed it yeah, you missed it. That wouldn't jump, so we're not going to jump to where to current day now. But but I could totally see how that's beneficial now doing what you do. Yeah, because you get to meet new people. You'll see yeah. some people you always see, but then yeah, there's yeah, new yeah. people going yeah. through, and so you get to you have that ability. Yeah, and then you tell them, hey, if you're not going to order, it's like a cheesesteak. And I, by the oh, way, that's, the, that resonates with me. I don't yeah, know if the you Pat Gino's, <laughs> the the Philly cheesesteak with wit. Yeah, every time I roll up to order to, and I'm looking, and you're like, what do you want, life? And I'm like, God, and you're like, I'm out. I'm like, son of a gun, Fran, there's like 50 different choices here. Let me just pick for you. I know you. I know know your palate better than your personality. That's pretty funny. Just trust me. Part two coming soon.